1: All right, today it's Greg Hemmings and Steve Cop replacing Greg Hemmings and Dave Vale,
2: or replacing Dave Vale and Monica, or yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, Steve.
1: And it's day. It's week three with Greg with no pants.
2: Yeah, it's it's really strange because you know we don't actually record these back to back to back. We do them every week, and because of the coffee incident three weeks <laughs> ago, I still haven't <laughs> dried my pants. So I, uh, <laughs> I desperately apologize. Greg insists for that, on Steve. air drying his pants. <laughs> so Steve, I've got. An incredible um, guest coming on today, uh, someone who's, who's become a friend, uh, a publisher of a phenomenal magazine called Conscious Company. Marin, welcome to the Boiling Point podcast, finally.
3: Hi, Greg. Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much as well. And we're looking forward to talking. Maybe, maybe we can kick this off by um, you telling us a bit about uh, the listeners, about uh, your company.
3: Sure. Um, well, let's see. So, my name is Maren Keeley. Megan uh, French Dunbar is my co-founder. And we started Conscious Company. It was just a magazine at the time. Um, almost three years ago, we formed the company in April 2014. And we put out our first issue in January of 2015. And we both have a background uh, studying sustainable business and it's an area of just shared passion for us. We believe that this is I mean, business that is... Uh, consciously accounting for and taking care of all of its stakeholders, we think that this is the way to drive positive change in the future, Mm -hmm. um, well, today and in the future. And so we felt that this movement didn't have enough of a voice and representation, and we had the crazy idea of starting a magazine together. So it's a long story there, but um, we... Grabbed some funding together and got some great stories in and put our first issue out. And we put four issues out in 2015, six issues out last year. And we've just uh, actually transitioned to being a full blown media company. So we're trying to offer content across a lot of different platforms now. We've um, had a couple webinars here in 2017. We are going to put out research papers now. We're going to have an in-person conference in June in the Bay Area that we're really excited for, um, and we have a few other surprise offerings later this year as well.
2: So, so, so Marin, I, that's, I, our, that's our story in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I am so excited about you guys transitioning into becoming a media company. But I got it. I don't know if you remember this or not. Um, what I don't know if you remember what I said to you when I first met you in person about your magazine. Do you remember it all? Oh, gosh. Was I this came at up the B Corp Champions retreat a long time I, ago? Yeah, I, I came up and I said that I've never smelled a nicer magazine. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's something about <laughs> the tactile nature of Conscious Company, the feel of the paper, the smell of your magazine. Greg's
1: I'm, such a sensitive guy. I'm yeah. a
2: sensitive guy. <laughs> it, it, it is it is a beautiful thing. So all that to say, what an amazing experience to be able to Explode in you know content into a whole bunch of different uh, different platforms and and distribution paths, but to be able to continue that legacy of that that tactile experience of a magazine mm-hmm. and do it right with beautiful design steve you're gonna love this magazine mm. uh maybe you already have, have read maybe not if you're at hemming south you'll always see them piled up on our yes table. okay yeah yeah uh, yeah so so bravo uh, Marin, that's why
1: it smells so good in your it office.
2: smells so good in our office because of a conscious company so <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about that too your decision to start a business in the traditional media um which is high risk but so incredibly appreciated um what were what were you the the two you and Megan thinking uh, at at the beginning?
3: Well, in fact, that's a great question. It was probably like a little bit of craziness, a little bit of naivety, and um, honestly, you know, you're you hit the nail on the head. We knew that we had to put out a product that not only had great content but was just appealing. Um, we wanted to make sustainable business appealing and. Sexy, for lack of a better adjective, um, to draw folks in. And, um, you know, we humans these days spend so much time in front of screens, and there's a lot of noise out there that we felt that putting words in print, um, especially when combined with just great design and great tactile experience, it, it adds a little bit more weight and and gravitas to the words and also i just think it's it's important to remember to not read everything um only on screens these days Mm -hmm. and and frankly a lot of uh yeah well a lot of actually research is supporting the fact that people are enjoying print again um it is definitely a tough business to be in that's that is uh not to be disputed. And and we feel that. Um, And it's important for us now to offer content across a lot of different platforms. But to really establish both a brand and to become an authority in the space, starting with print, um, it certainly was a path that allowed us to do both those things. Hmm. And what we are really the most proud of is that we aren't putting out a publication that people just get rid of when they're done reading it. It's mm. th- These are stories that are, are really evergreen um, news and profiles. Um, and people say that they keep, just as you just did, uh, keep our magazine on their coffee table or in the lounge at their office. And, and things along those lines. And those are the highest compliments to us. Yeah, like, yeah. And people return to it again and again.
2: And we're we're examples of that, Maren, at, at Heming's house. And it's so funny you say that because... It, uh, recently, we did a massive purge at my house. Got rid of, uh, I'd say, a thousand CDs. I donated like four hundred of my favorite DVDs to the library. We're just trying to get rid of stuff. But when Super I had when I had my surfer magazines and my stand-up paddle journal and this Canadian surf magazine I've got, I I couldn't get rid of them because like, mm-hmm. of what you just said. It does two things: that evergreen story. These are things that will be just as relevant in ten years as now. But to that again that tactile f- a feeling of a g- well produced magazine, and again the smell it's great. But I want to talk about the other side of it too. Let's talk about the whole brand, the tribal brand experience. Where if you walk into my office and see Conscious Company magazine on my on my coffee table, uh, I don't know Steve at, at Acre Architects. What would be the magazine that would most people that people would watch or read there
1: um, today? If you walked in the in the sort of our <clears throat> kitchen area is where we keep all our actual print magazines that are current um, on the table today would be Architects Journal out of the UK. We really like that publication. It's a mix of long form and, uh, of course, imagery architects like uh, pretty pictures. And, yeah, so that would be on the table today. So
2: so that that tells something about your stakeholders. When when they come in, whether customers or or workers or something, that there's a different value. Mm -hmm. And I I never even thought of that, Maren, until you mentioned that, but why do we hold on to these, these magazines um, but it, it tells a, b- a deeper story about our values too. In an yeah, and a way. reminder
1: too to go by and see all the things out w- in art books, and we've got a lot of a lot of print. We're very much analog that way too, and you know these little devices everyone's looking at. You can't see what they're doing. You, you don't know the the connection to the broader picture, isn't there?
2: Yeah. So. Do do you hear a lot of that, Maren, happening too? Like people are are reaching out to you, giving you different type of testimonies outside of just "Hey, great great work, lo- love the content." But um, are you are you seeing a tribe being built around around what you guys have have, have been putting out?
3: Yes, I mean I I found something that we're seeing and and something that we can hope will only continue to grow. But just I think on a larger scale, people these days are gravitating towards things that are, are are truly positive and doing good in the world. Mm. And the more that we can see that across different sectors and industries, and even in, in people's sort of hobbies and, and free time, that's what I'm really excited for. And that does tie to the motivation that Megan and I had in, in putting this magazine out in the first place, which was just that it's really that inspiration. Um, to inspire other people to have a positive impact, to share a little bit more, to give back, to, to do less harm, um, no, matter, no matter where or when or what. That's, that's really the point. Um, and, and we've seen, I mean, there's Good Magazine and they, that really shares inspiring stories, uh, just lifestyle stories. Um, and there's other things out there. Philanthropy, I mean, certainly addresses just people donating to causes that have positive impacts. For us, we were just noticing this hole in the business space, and like I said, we think that there's so much freedom when you can design a a for-profit entity to have a positive impact, do good, and give back um, just through its existence. That's man, that is a way to just get your, your employees to feel good about where they work, to get your customers to feel good about what they're spending their money on. And that becomes really part of the whole the ethos and the culture. And um, people want to be a part of that. I, I think that that's just really what we're seeing in the world. And that, that gives me so much hope about where we're heading as a culture and as a society. And, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you see this in the world of, of architecture? I feel like green, sustainable architecture, there's got to be demand for that. And that's, you know, for as efficiency as much as it's for for health reasons and just, you know, buildings not having as as negative an impact in the world. Um, Do you see that in your industry?
1: Completely. I mean, our industry is so broad and it's thick with, you know, slow-moving construction industry and, you know, it's uh, ideas of money and not money. But at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to inspire people to, to live their own story live great stories you know a positive impact on people whether that be from light or um you know crafting with life in schools to there's, there's just so many examples and you're totally you're totally right people are you know some people approach the environmental side from you know saving money or they want to save the earth but there is a a broader movement for something better and we spend so much time indoors i can't remember the stats it's like 90 percent of your life is indoors uh, probably a little less in California, but um, it's a huge impact on people's lives, whether it's a school, workplace, and um, homes, whether they be shelters, uh, emergency shelters. Uh, people are working on, and so it totally is. And um, you know, we're continually striving to figure out how to do that better, whether it be a, a single, you know, custom commission or something. That we're making more of a strategic plan about.
2: But it's interesting too, Steve. <clears throat> all of your work that I've seen. Um, not for the sake of being sustainable, but that's just part of the design. It's not even a noteworthy thing. That's the mm. way your team works. That's what I've noticed with all the different uh, pieces that we've filmed of your all the right. different homes and whatnot. It's passive solar and just all these different ways of uh, you know green roofs and all that. And I love what you said. And there's probably a good connection between what you're doing, what Marin's doing, what I'm doing. Is uh, Marin. Uh, I'm going to explain to you what I think Acre uh, does. (laughs) Acre is a storytelling company. Um, Does that resonate with you, Steve? Yeah, that's a core. Uh, It's a full-on architecture firm, but you are supporting, helping people live their story, like you just said. Right. And and to do that, sustainable practices and and doing things right and good are part of the tools to do that no matter what.
1: Right. Architecture is a tool in that case to get there.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... I think the power of story, again, and of course, Maren and I can speak on that all the time, just based on the the industry we're in. But you guys are really starting to own that in the architecture space, being the storytellers of architecture. We're trying. Yeah.
1: I guess I was going to ask you, you know, it's we're also a young company. We're seven years old, and it sounds like you've just passed the two-year mark What with the magazine. What, uh, over the past two years, has been... What have you dug out from there that's been the most inspirational to you and Megan?
3: Well, I think one of our favorite questions to ask in interviews is, "Is what is giving, what is giving you hope for the future?" And a lot of people point to younger generations and uh, the fact that they are looking for work with purpose, and they're trying to just design their lives in such a way that it's not, you know, only about climbing a ladder or making money. They they want careers that allow them to give back um, mm-hmm. and are really tied to mission. And hearing that from so many different folks, uh, that's so counter to the narrative that we've heard about, you know, millennials being lazy and and wanting to live in their parents' basement and things like that. So to me, I, I actually look at the future and there's, there's obviously plenty of cause for concern and there we should all be feeling a sense of urgency but to hear the hopefulness um and the excitement around the good things that are happening that's been probably the most exciting thing that has come from just getting to have the conversations that we're so fortunate to have that combined with feedback from from readers that they just you know they love our magazine they look for it in their mailbox um that certainly keeps us
2: going i, I love what you just said there because it's Everything's in the the context of the bubbles that we allow ourselves to live in. Like, if, if your con if you choose Fox News to be your context, um, you 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 are choosing to to have you know a very specific angle of reality, <laughs> maybe hmm. al- maybe alternative facts, uh, <laughs> etc. Um, but like, we have a choice in this, and it's really interesting too. Like finding those good stories in darkness. Um, It's so important. And uh, I I was talking right before we started recording, Maren, with you about just getting back from Panama this week, hence why my voice is so hoarse. And um, I had an opportunity to speak in front of this great conference group of people in the middle of the jungle. And and there's probably 70 delegates or something. And um, I was up speaking about one of these projects, one of these film projects we did years ago called uh, Sistema Revolution where we went down to Caracas, Venezuela, and filmed this radical uh, music program that's been going on for 35 years. Over half a million kids learning classical music every single day after school for free. Um, it's a story of great success out of that country. And we used that footage to create a movement here in Canada, and now we've built a similar program here in Canada. So as I was telling that story as kind of my testimony to the power of storytelling, um, at the end, this guy came up to me and um, he said, Greg, thank you for telling a positive story about my country um, because r- really there aren't many to tell. <clears throat> and he was telling me that since I was in Venezuela, let's say seven years ago, filming that documentary, it is not, Caracas is not a place to be safe now. Mm. You cannot walk through those streets. Access to food is very difficult. It's It's just not a very good place. And he ends up telling me that he's been kidnapped twice no um, in Caracas. He snuck out of the country, through Colombia, into Panama, and now he's just building his life in Panama. And he was just telling me that despite all the challenge that he had, hearing me talk about, from a Canadian perspective, talking about something beautiful that came out of Caracas, and that it actually was a seed that turned into something very significant somewhere else— it was very touching for him. And he was like, I have not heard or lived a positive story in Venezuela for many years. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that because that's really, it's kind of what you're talking about is we've got a choice to to pull out these positive stories in an otherwise relatively negative environment that we're living in right now.
3: Well, exactly. There's no shortage of very scary negative headlines out there. And I'm not saying that we should all turn our backs on Reality, Because there are some very sad, heartbreaking things happening around the globe right now. But at the same time, to only live in the the hyper-sensationalized, fear-driven, negative space that a lot of media plays in, I just... What that's trying to inspire people to do, um, or how that's really getting people to change their ways, necessarily... And so, I mean, I mean narrative and stories, it's, it's one of the oldest art forms that we have um, as humans. And if we can use that to get folks to just think about a problem a little bit differently or, or ask themselves, like, not what can I do to protect myself, but what can I do from where I am sitting, standing, working, to give back, to improve my community, to do something nice for a stranger? Um, just things like that 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 are going to truly like help brighten days and collectively brighten our whole future. So I think it's I think it's really important.
1: Where uh, where where should people go to find out more?
3: Um, definitely come to our website consciouscompanymedia.com. dot com. Um, yeah, we we promote all of our events there. You can subscribe to the magazine there, and you can actually access all of our content. We're not trying to uh, keep it exclusive from anyone. Mm-hmm. Where. To the contrary, we're trying to share it.
2: Merrim, what what would you say one of your highlight articles was? Like One of the most exciting articles or interviews that you've you've had published in the magazine?
3: Oh, my goodness. We have... So this is funny. We, Megan and I, when we were conceptualizing the magazine, we came up with this list of probably 20 companies that we would love to cover in our first issue. And um, we reached out to all of them. And much to our surprise, we had probably 18 different companies say yes. That's amazing. um, That they would be they'd be happy to be interviewed. Um, And this included, I mean, some big players. We had Southwest Airlines in the first issue. We had Whole Foods in the first issue. Just and hearing a yes from some of these folks, all of a sudden, we just knew that we had to actually follow through with creating this magazine. And when we heard yes he from John Mackey from Whole Foods, we were like, oh gosh, hmm. this makes it so real. <laughs> and he agreed to actually be on our first cover, which was really exciting. And so, I mean, all this, I'm not trying to sort of brag, but um, what has been exciting for us is that we certainly don't have a content problem. We have more content than we know what to do with. And that actually partly inspired the transition to a media company and hmm. sharing these stories. Um, on multiple different platforms. And we, I mean, we've been lucky enough to interview the likes of, I mean, our cover stories have been Chip Conley, Eileen Fisher, John Mackey, as I said, from Whole Foods, uh, the CEO of Hampton Creek, um, Daniel Levesky from Kind Bar, Lila Jana, who does incredible work in the Bay Area, bringing work to um, folks over in Africa who just uh, don't have a lot of access to jobs. So, it has been just so exciting to watch folks say yes, and part of our approach and not only putting out positive stories. We're not trying to basically paint negative pictures of companies. We want to interview people for where they they really are, and certainly ask hard questions. Ask them, you know, what what are the things that they're still doing uh, to improve, and where. Where have they maybe not been able to make the strides forward that they would want to make? But I have to tell you that we like—it's hard to pick a favorite because we've had such overwhelmingly positive um, just response to our asks to interview folks. So
2: that's awesome. We're very
3: fortunate in that regard.
2: Well, yeah, really
3: awesome,
2: Marin, I just want to say a massive thank you. It was awesome bumping in, into you in the elevator uh, in Philadelphia, <laughs> and then. <laughs> reminding each other that we got to get you on the podcast, <laughs> so it's it's awesome to have you back on, and I'm personally really excited for whatever collaborations uh, um, our company and your company can do, and I really feel that Acre Architects um, and you guys can, should connect at some point too. We will. Uh, there's, there's really, that would be great. There's a really nice core of uh, positive storytelling uh, between all three of us. Um, so this is great. Please uh, give a big hug to Megan for us and really, really appreciate your time on here. And how do people follow you personally?
3: Um, certainly you can reach out to me through the website and uh, I respond to all of our social media as
2: well. Awesome. So all right. easy all right. to find me. All right, Marin. have an awesome day. We'll yeah, talk to you very you. soon. Thanks, Greg. I
3: look forward to working with you too. And uh, thanks for this opportunity.
2: Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. So Steve, as, as a quick wrap up, what do you feel about a good smell of a magazine?
1: I do know that I do know. Oh, sorry. I do know the good smell you're talking about. Yeah. Not specifically your magazine you've got there, but there's something about them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it's, it's, there's
1: a difference between yeah. generic smell and that, that, I don't know what it is. It says paper or the ink they use. I'm not sure.
2: And, and there's a smell of vinyl records as well. I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I think we're going to start seeing. Vinyl's already back. Um, magazines never died, but I think high-quality magazines and ones that people yeah. care there's to a, keep yeah. on their mm-hmm. coffee table are coming back. And Conscious Company Magazine is one of those companies. Yeah, uh, the quality. It's, it's
1: about quality. When it, when it comes back in that kind of form, it's got to be about quality or they're not going to. You know, I know the Enquirer and stuff like that's still out there, but
2: I love the Enquirer, the National Enquirer, right? You got it, you got it. Yes, yeah, the national one, the Globe. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Okay, Steve, three down, three to go. Uh, also, want to welcome Don Hemmings, my father, who Somalia, fifty percent of uh, of making my life a reality. Um, if you heard some funny little microphone sounds earlier, that was Dad trying to get the cork out of the wine bottle or screwdriver. Uh, oh, that's, that's, what why, that's why it tastes like cork. Okay, I got it. Well, good. So we shall talk uh, next week, Steve. See you later, Greg. All right.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice
3: behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes.
0: Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to WhatSheSaidTalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.